0: Yeah! Purple, get ready to roll. Indeed, this is the College and Kimball Podcast. I am your host, Jeff Burkhart, joined by my man, Justin Nutter. A huge, colossal game on deck for your Kansas State Wildcats this coming Saturday in Fort Worth. Pull position in the Big 12 on the line as K-State squares off against a top 10 TCU team looking to get motivated and get up one more time. The Frogs are in a stretch here where they've had Huge games in four consecutive weeks, so we're really going to put a lot of theories to the test this coming Saturday as K State and TCU get set to square off at seven o'clock. Before we dive into that, a quick request of our listeners to follow us on Twitter at college underscore Kimball and subscribe to our podcast on whatever your preferred app is. We greatly appreciate the listens, downloads, streams, what have you. All that being said, Nutter, I uh, first let's uh, let's start off just a little. High-level question here. How was your bye week? And knowing that you're a family man, I'm going to say, was there a pumpkin patch? Were there fall pictures? What were what was on uh, on the docket for you last Saturday?
1: You know, honestly, we we kept it pretty low key. Um, I mean, you know, watched quite a bit of college football, uh, but pretty well stayed home with the family. My birthday was actually Friday, so um, I bid adieu to my early 30s. I am now a, a solid grounded member of the mid 30s club. Welcome so, to the park. Um, Yeah um so yeah you know honestly it was kind of nice to be able to just get an extended look at some other big 12 teams something I haven't really had much of an opportunity to do um you know there I mean there were some pretty good games you know when ended up being a, a thriller in Fort Worth with TCU and Oklahoma State and I'll we'll get into more of the details here in a minute but uh you know Iowa State kind of hung around with Texas I don't think that was terribly shocking you know I had kind of said you know They were, if they come out with their hair on fire, that seems like a game Iowa State could come out and bite Texas, you know, KU and Oklahoma. I don't know how close it really was, but there were a lot of points scored in that one. And then obviously the big one, you know, Tennessee taking down Bama, not, not in the big 12, but you know, that was definitely the national headliner. So, you know, given the, uh, the stressful week, K-State had had the week before in Ames, it was kind of nice just to be able to kick back and just watch, you know, just watch some other teams beat up on each other
0: those weeks are worth their weight in gold. And, uh, I, I was, uh, I I was on the hook for family photos, went out to uh, Tuttle Creek with the wife and the kiddos got that knocked out, uh, may or may not have been a very responsible driver watching, uh, watching some of Tennessee Bama as we strolled through I-70, but, uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but yeah, it was a, it was a great week of college football for sure. And, And just, Again, those scores real quick here. TCU edges out Oklahoma State in double overtime, 43 to 40. A game in which Oklahoma State led seven, uh, led 24 to seven at one point, led 30 to 16 late in the fourth quarter, and just really let that one slip away. And, and honestly, that one gives me some positive vibes heading into this week, just by virtue of the fact that I don't really think this Oklahoma State team maybe is up to snuff. I I know I felt like a lot of people were sleeping on them uh, and and just seeing that there are some holes really for all teams in the Big 12. I think we all kind of knew that, but we saw it really manifest in a big way. I I thought the Texas result was a little bit surprising uh, just because I really felt like they were going to start to turn the corner in that Iowa State offense. It just looks so pedestrian in the last handful of games here. They've just really struggled to do much of anything. And the fact that they Rang him up for 21 points. And honestly, if Xavier Hutchinson catches that deep ball, which hits him right in the hands, I mean, it, it's crazy to think about the best receiver in the Big 12, uh, arguably at least. Uh, Here has really been a key factor and really has dropped the ball, no pun intended. <laughs> but that drop against Texas, the drop on the sideline against K State, had a very critical catch where he didn't try to extend for a first down against KU. This is a guy who is far and away leading the conference in receptions and yards and everything in between as far as the receiving numbers go. But he's really also been the reason why Iowa State's come up on the short end here these last couple of weeks. But clones fall to four foreign conference play. Texas escapes, survives. Horns starting to heat up a little bit here. And then Oklahoma, you know, some people might say good to see them get off the schneid. Candidly, that was one of those games against KU where I was – just asking who do I want to win? I don't really know. I feel like Oklahoma, just by virtue of the fact that we beat them and I would like to see that win carry a little bit more weight as we get further along in the season because if Oklahoma, were to finish like four and eight, you know, winning in Norman doesn't have that much meaning at at season's end. But uh, that was the, those were the results from the big 12 and seeing that Oklahoma State game to to kind of move up, uh, move into TCU here. I guess just first off, Your thoughts on the Horned Frogs going into the season and and where they are now, I mean, can't be more night and day. I I don't think anybody really expected them to be in this position that they are right now in the top 10.
1: Yeah, you know, I've kind of thought the last couple of years that people were a little bit too high on TCU. I just never saw much there that scared me. Um, You know, K-State, the scores might not indicate it, but I feel like K-State pretty well handled TCU the last couple of years. and but you know that obviously with a coaching change that you know no disrespect to Gary Patterson I know he basically wrote the book at that program it was probably time um you know I think with a new coach coming in and the fact that that Duggan had been you know basically shaky at best the last couple years I don't know that I expected a whole lot out of him I certainly did not expect them to be sitting and undefeated you know as we're heading into as we're heading into Fort Worth in like late October um Obviously, some massive wins, none bigger than the one they just pulled off. You know, I, I had jokingly said to someone Saturday morning, if that game wanted to go to about 10 overtimes, I'd be okay with it. You know, we got two. We didn't get 10, but we got two of them. Um Take it. <laughs> You know, they. I mean, they look dead in the water, like you pointed out. They look dead in the water a couple of times, you know, even as late as the fourth quarter down a couple of scores. But, you know, I mean, if you look at the numbers, Duggan's in some pretty rare company this year in terms of what he's doing. You know, I think they're – the he's probably benefited from that coaching change more than anyone, you know, he might've just needed a change of scenery. Sometimes you'll see it with a guy, you know, transferring programs. Other times you'll see a new coach come in and kind of like, you know, reju- rejuvenate a kid's career, you know, not unlike what where Chris Kleiman did with Skylar Thompson, right. You know, sometimes all it takes is just a change at the helm. And, uh, you know, Duggan has certainly lived up to that. And, you know, I think he's, he's playing a little bit more. Like I feel like people talked about the player he was going to be the last couple of years. And now he's just, kind of finally putting his money where his mouth
0: is. The talent was there in Fort Worth. I, I don't think there's any denying that. And if you go back, I, I, w- I was going back and looking at Phil Steele before we recorded this, and they had 18 starters coming back, so a lot of personnel that had experience. And they they threw a lot of young guys into the fire last year on the defensive side of the ball in particular. And, and you just see exper- so much experience now across the board, and they really are the beneficiary of – that that kind of artificial bump that you do get with regime change. Sonny Dykes, first-year head coach in Fort Worth, comes over from SMU, had a couple of other stops at the FBS level, coached to Cal in Louisiana Tech. And the guy has experience, and he's known for running a little bit more loose program. And, and again, not to belabor the point here with Gary Patterson, but very much akin to Bill Snyder in so many ways, wanted to keep the Fort locked down didn't care for any sort of media access and player availability and anything in between with, with media trying to get anything they can, any bit of information uh, and, and any insight into what these players are seeing and going through on a day-to-day basis. You just didn't have that with Gary Patterson because he wanted to keep his complex lockdown like Fort Knox, again, pretty much just akin to Bill Snyder and, and Sonny comes in, loosens things up. And uh, I do have an interview with, uh Jeff Mitchell, who covers the Horned Frogs for their 24-7 site. Uh, this was the one that I did during the summer, and he talked at length about the fact that Sonny Dykes was making practice open and, and just being very forthcoming with the media and everything. And again, when, when you have that lack of, of tension at the top and the guys are just playing, it, it just kind of loosens everybody up. And I think that's a big reason why TCU – is is playing the way that they are right now. This is a team that's playing free and loose. They've got a fun, prolific offense that puts up a lot of points. And, and defensively, yeah, there's some holes there, and we'll get into that here momentarily. But they've done enough to get themselves to 6-0, first time since 2017, that team that was quarterbacked by Kenny Hill. So this tells you where this team is going, and, and – and frankly, just knowing that TCU really probably has a higher recruiting ceiling than most any Big 12 program just by being by virtue of being in the Metroplex. this does make me a little nervous about handling them moving forward. That's that's a that's future Jeff and future K-State's problem to worry about. But for the here and now, it is K-State, TCU. Pole position in the Big 12 on the line this Saturday. The Cats do lead the all-time series against the Horde Frogs eight to seven and have won the last three. Uh, Nutter, you mentioned really last year's game the most decisive in that uh, in those recent uh, meetings. Thirty-one to twelve was the final. TCU got a the garbage time touchdown of all garbage time touchdowns at the very end of regulation uh, to make that thirty-one to twelve. But the year prior, the COVID season, you had Will Howard. Not doing much of anything except breaking off a long run. K-State got a pick six from A.J. Parker, and they were able to hold on 21 to 14. And the year before that, it was a pretty just solid workmanlike victory in Chris Kleiman's first season, a 24 to 17 decision uh, to get the Cats their first conference win uh, at that point. And then the next week, K-State would go on to topple Oklahoma. So these-
1: no, I, I kind of pointed out too, Jeff that the two of the three were only a touchdown game on the scoreboard, but like, it really never felt, you know, like never felt like K-State was on the verge of losing either of those two seven point no. wins. Right. I mean, like I said, the scores might not indicate it, but I felt like K-State pretty well, pretty well handled business in all three meetings so far under Kleiman.
0: And you'll certainly take any, again, the, the fact that Kleiman's just been so weirdly streaky against big 12 teams, you know, needing to get over the hump against West Virginia and, and cleared that hurdle last year, Texas tech, TCU, K-State's had their number, but on the flip side, Baylor, Oklahoma state, those are the teams that have, have gone three and 0 against Chris Kleiman. So, you're hoping the K-State can buck a couple trends in that regard, but you're hoping, obviously, this one here with the recent success against TCU does continue. And and with that being said, let's go ahead and, and look at this and dive into the tail of the tape for the frogs. Uh, Nutter, I'll I'll let you highlight here the the, the basic stats for this TCU team, uh, which again has one of the most explosive offenses in the country. They are hard to slow down.
1: Yeah, almost a polar opposite from K-State's last opponent in Iowa State. Uh, this team. Only two teams, two other teams in the country score more than these guys do. They've been putting up just shy of 46 a game, 45.8 points per game. Uh, That's actually 17 points per game better than what they were putting up last year with the same guy under center. You know, again, it kind of goes into what I said earlier about, you know, that coaching change I think really has done Max Duggan a lot of good. Um, They're putting up 527 yards a game. Again, third in the country. Uh, Pretty even split. You know, they're doing 229 on the ground. 297 through the air. Uh Duggan was pretty much at his best last week with just shy of 300 against Oklahoma State. So they haven't really seen much of a drop off in production since Big, big 12 play started. Um I think maybe one of the most staggering stats is they're putting up almost 8 yards a play, 7.7 yards a play, good for second in the country. Um they're running 68 and a half plays a game. You know, again, these guys They move quick, pretty similar to what you could say for like an Oklahoma, you know, that K-State saw earlier this year. They move fast when they have the ball. Um, They've been to the red zone 29 times this season, and they have scored 25 of them. 21 of them actually got into the end zone. Um, And again, you know, like I said, for as many plays as they run, they only possess the ball about half the time, just a little bit more than 30 minutes a game. So these guys on offense i mean they move it and they move it fast so they are you know it's definitely going to be the most potent offense k state has seen this year so you know definitely something that we're going to have to be ready for
0: and that time of possession number 30 minutes and 46 seconds again certainly a couple minutes more than oklahoma so th- this group is a little bit more deliberate but they still the 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 ethos of what tcu is they definitely like to push the ball down the field. They are all about taking deep vertical shots. Uh, Max Duggan, again, has just been remarkably precise as a passer. He's hitting on almost 70% of his throws now. And he's uh, 69.5% to be exact of his 167 attempts. And he's on, on pace, excuse me, to, uh, to break the aforementioned Kenny Hills record that he set back in 2017. So he is really kind of the, the, the be all end all for this TCU offense. And he's surrounded though, by a plethora of weapons, guys that are explosive at the wide receiver and also at the running back position. I will mention here briefly before we get into players, a couple of the advanced numbers to talk about points per drive. Uh, they get 3.37 that's 12th nationally and havoc rate allowed. This those are the negative plays again, sacks tackle for loss, uh, past deflections and fumbles. Uh, they only allow 11% of their snaps to go that way. <laughs> so that's ninth in the country. So they're very good about protecting the ball. This is a team. They're also their plus four in the turnover margin. That's second best mark in the big 12, uh, success rate, 20, uh, 48.3%. That's 25th nationally, uh, 51.8% on running plays. So again, everybody, points to the big shot plays the deep balls and whatnot but they're a remarkably efficient running team so that's one of the misnomers when you when you just watch a little three-minute highlight package and all you all you see are the 40-yard bombs and 60-yard bombs don't forget about all the plays that set that up because this is really where TCU can hurt you and this is and honestly the, the the other thing that makes this offense scary uh I, I don't want to get too deep into to the explanation here, but as far, as far as explosiveness goes, they are third nationally in explosive plays, seventh in run explosive and 11th in pass explosive. So if you want more insight into what those numbers are and, and, and inter, in terms of how it translates into what you'll see on the field, I would recommend you all check out collegefootballdata.com. Great information there. Again, there's a lot to cover in this one. and I, I don't want to waste a whole lot of our listeners' times uh, going through the metrics and how the calculations are all made. So we talked about Max Duggan here and what he's in line to do. Uh, currently second in the Big 12, total offense per game at 3.0. Third in passing yards per game in the conference, 16 touchdown top mark in the Big 12 among quarterbacks. And he's only tossed one interception, and that was kind of an end of half scenario against KU. So you kind of throw that out the window. So 16 touchdowns to, for all intents and purposes, zero interceptions. And he's sixth nationally in pass efficiency. Again, he's just been remarkable. Uh, And he can also hurt you with his legs, too. That's another element of his game. I very, very vividly remember that game in 2019 that I attended. Him shaking Wayne Jones in the secondary on a very long run that made me just absolutely furious at the time. Uh, And he's rushed for 50 or more yards in all of the Big 12 games so far this season. So he's a guy he can... And honestly, in seeing the way that Hunter Deckers could move around for Iowa State, I think that's if I were Iowa State's offensive coordinator, Tom Manning, I would look at what they're doing with with Duggan and say, we need to implement a little bit more of that because Deckers can move around a little bit and they just really choose to make him a statue and have him throw the ball 45, 50 times a game, which that doesn't really play to his strengths. I'm not here to talk about Iowa State, but that's That's the book on Duggan. Um, One unique note I found out, Chandler Morris, who was actually the starter at the beginning of the season, got hurt against uh, Colorado in that season opening game in Buffalo, uh, or rather in Buffalo, in Boulder. Chandler Morris is a redshirt freshman, but is somehow older than Max Duggan, who is a senior. I don't know. Check the tape, but <laughs> that, that, I, I don't know how the hell that worked out. Uh, but you know, COVID's COVID eligibility screws up everybody. But
1: there's uh, a Brandon com- Whedon joke somewhere in there. Oh, too. I, I,
0: absolutely, heard. there is. <laughs> um, a couple other players to keep an eye on here for this TCU offense: Quentin Johnston is their monster wide receiver, 6'4", 215 junior, and he has 34 receptions for 500 yards. He's one of the tops in the Big 12, but Xavier Hutchinson, just by virtue of the fact that he gets targeted at Iowa State like 15 to 20 times a game, it has better numbers, but make no mistake about it, Johnston is every bit the athlete and a burner, and, and watching some of the highlights against Oklahoma State... Uh, for a guy his size his frame very elusive and I uh, honestly it, it's very easy just seeing what he was doing in the open field some of the cuts that he makes and the moves he has he's a very smooth runner very much like Malik Knowles so just something to keep an eye on here when he does catch the ball this is not just a guy that's that's going to go down he's got very more than respectable speed. And he is absolutely an elusive threat in the open field. And he's done a lot of his damage though, really in these last two games, He was pretty quiet in the first four for the frogs. These last two, he's got 22 catches for 386 yards, a couple of touchdowns in these past two games. He's on every damn watch list. The Maxwell, Walter camp, Balitnikov. obviously that's the award that goes to college football's top receiver. He will certainly be in contention for that by season's end. He was first team all big 12 last season, Again, just painting the picture that he is absolutely your primary target on pass plays. He's the guy that they're going to stretch the field vertically with. He's the one you got to be watching out for as far as the K-State secondary goes. Another guy to keep an eye on uh, coming out of the backfield is Kendra Miller, six foot 220 pound junior, uh, leads the team with 587 rushing yards, seven touchdowns, averages 6.4 per carry. That's actually down from his averages the previous two seasons. He was at 7.5 and 21 and 7.2 and 20. And he is actually the nation's leader in career yards per carry. So that just kind of underscores the fact that this is a very explosive running back. And like I said, TCU, you see all the flashy pass plays, but man, Kendra Miller is dangerous when he gets in the open field. So that's one area where linebackers are going to be tasked with moving very quickly in space, sealing up holes. It's going to be a tall order for him, uh, for the linebacking corps for Kansas State. And just a couple of other notes on some other players. Darius Davis is another guy. He's been around the TCU program for a minute, 21 catches, 224 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Tay Barber, another wide receiver for TCU, actually has more career receiving yards than Quinton Johnston, uh, 1,769 yards for Barber to Johnston's 1,621 yards. So by season's end, I imagine uh, one will eclipse the other there. But at the moment just again something to be mindful of the fact that tay barber has been around this program for quite a while and then as far as the offensive line goes you've got a lot of experience here with this group it's the same uh, same five they had had in all six games uh brandon coleman junior senior left guard steve avila senior center is alan ali senior right guard west harris junior right tackle andrew coker and if you look at it 18 starts 19 starts 39 starts for the smu transfer ali Uh, two-time All-Big 12 Steve Avila. He started 11 games at center last year. There's experience, there's continuity, there's everything that you would want in an offensive line. So at all levels for this Kansas State defense, a lot of challenges presented, no doubt about it. And and I I lead with that offensive line, or I, I say that offensive line point to lead into this question here. About last year's performance, we all saw King Felix just wreck shop against TCU with his four sack performance. And I'm just curious, do you feel like that has any bearing on how TCU preps for this game just by virtue of being, hey, it's new year, new coach, new regime, new everything, just throw it out? Or do you think that actually weighs heavily on the minds of the Frogs?
1: Yeah. Before I answer that, I want everybody to know Jeff did throw up the finger quotes when he said four. Felix had six. The only reason he doesn't was a bullshit rules technicality. So let's just make sure we're calling that what it is. Um, Apparently, if you happen to cause a fumble on your sack, it doesn't count. Someone make that make sense, please. But anyway, um, you know, I don't know that the coaches are going to put too much stock in it. Obviously, you can't ignore a performance like that. Right. But I mean, like you said, this is a very veteran offensive line. You know, they don't really don't forget a day like that. I mean, he was just beating them every single play, basically, you know. And I think the thing that makes it even more dangerous is they can't key on him because you have, you know, perfectly, perfectly capable pass rushers elsewhere. In you know, um in uh, Khalid Duke or in um, Nate Matlack or you know Brendan Mott's been coming on pretty strong this year so you know I definitely think it's something they're going to be aware of this is a game where you know you hope that yes they're, they're veteran and they're experienced but you hope that the grind the fact that these guys haven't had a bye week since I think week three you know whereas K-State should be coming in on fresh legs and relatively healthy you know you hope that you know that seems like something that can make a difference in the trenches, especially if this is a physical game that gets decided, you know, late in the game, you know, a key sack in the fourth quarter can make all the difference. So no, I definitely think they're that, you know, you don't forget a game like what Felix did to you last year. So I definitely think they're going to be aware of it. And it's, you know, especially um, the the guys in that offensive line room, there, there's no way they're, they're not thinking about it this week.
0: You mentioned Khalid Duke as well, and he left the Iowa state game, but all indications are, if if Chris Kleiman is to be believed, uh, what he mentioned in his presser earlier this week, saying that everybody who participated against Iowa State is tracking and trending toward being available this Saturday. Now, being available and playing is very different here. And to that point, Nutter, do you feel like, does your gut tell you that Duke's going to try to make it a go? And if so, how limited do you feel like he's going to be?
1: You know, I guess I'll kind of defer back to the beginning of the season when we were having the same conversation about the same guy. You know, everyone, it seemed pretty unlikely from a media perspective that Duke was going to be ready to go. Climbing said he was, Clyman said he was, and then lo and behold, we saw him take several snaps that first week against South Dakota. You know, I think it's probably going to be like an as-needed basis kind of thing. If you can get away with using him on a limited basis, you know, and and still pull out the win or still do what you need to do on the defensive front, I think you do that. But, yeah, I do expect to see him, and I expect to see him early.
0: Now, we, we go through all the numbers regarding this TCU offense because they're worth noting. It's it's We've used all the superlatives, all the adjectives that are out there to describe it. It's explosive. It can make plays. It's going to – and TCU is going to make plays. If you're going into this game as a K-State fan, throwing up the lynch mob sign and saying, oh, yeah, we're going to hold them to 10, like, y'all, you got you, – Temper those expectations, T.C. is going to score. But to that point, Nutter, what do do you feel like a successful day for this K-State defense looks like?
1: You know, uh, with like I said, with as high flying as this offense is at as many yards, as many points as they put up, minimize their possessions to the best of your ability. You know, and a lot of that, you know, not to be that guy, but a lot of that's going to be K State doing what it does best and sustaining run game. You know, sustaining grabs on our end and just keeping that offense off the field. But if you want to talk actual numbers, you know, to me, thirty kind of seems like the magic number. If you can hold these guys under thirty points, you know, I think K State's probably going to have enough in the tank on offense to win a game like that. But this does not strike me as a game K State wants to get into a kind of shootout like you know TCU has done a couple of times this year. You know, I I, I know K State's already won what you would call a shootout in Norman, but that's probably not something I want to cheat again you know I, I don't I don't want to try to I don't want to try to go back to that well so you know I think if you can really you know limit their offensive possessions and keep them under 30 points that's that's going to be a good day.
0: this is truly a tale of the unstoppable force meeting the immovable object because if you look at the advanced metrics on the k state side of the equation, points per drive tops in the big 12, 14th nationally at 1.54. Points per drive inside the 40, K-State only surrendering 2.86, that's 13th nationally. You look at the havoc rate generated by K-State, 18.2%. That's one of the better marks in the conference. Only Oklahoma State is better as far as Big 12 team, or excuse me, Oklahoma State and Texas, but uh, that's 56 nationally. We know though that this group forces turnovers. It's the best in the Big 12 in terms of forcing turnovers. And also as far as some of the advanced numbers go, opponent passing success rate and opponent just overall success rate relatively low opponents only have successful plays 37 percent of the time against this k-state defense they have had some leaky plays in the back end if you look at that oklahoma game in particular a couple of wide receivers got loose on the cats in that game but all in all this defense has been really buttoned up on the back end and, and i'm I am very much going to be keyed in on the matchup. What I think will be the matchup really that decides this game is k states secondary against these TCU wide receivers. I think that's where you're going to say, see whether or not this game is won or lost. It's going to be about responsibility and coverage. It's going to be about tackling well in space, uh, just all the basics on that front. But I, I feel like by virtue of the fact that Duggan gets the ball out quickly It's going to be a game akin to Oklahoma where you might not see the pass rush really manifest and have like a banner day like they did against Texas Tech where Khalid and Felix both end up with three sacks apiece. And also to the point we we brought up earlier as well, you, you don't forget as an offensive line. And again, an offensive line that was largely together looking back at last year. You don't forget a day in which a guy wrecks you for six sacks you just don't forget that so I think they will be very acutely aware of where Felix is lined up pre-snap and they're going to make a very concerted effort to slow him down but that's one area though where I do feel like K-State has enough pass rushers to just disrupt the timing that's going to be the big thing as far as what you're going to ask the defensive line to do in this game you might not be able to get home and get a ton of sacks but if you can get hands up knock a pass or two down. We saw that against Oklahoma. Eli Huggins had it. Uso had a couple of big knockdowns late in that game. That's where you're going to see whether or not this team wins the day on the defensive side of the ball. If Disrupting timing is going to be big. And again, watching how the secondary covers and how well they do at preventing big plays from this TCU defense. It's going to be a very fun matchup indeed, as far as that side of the ball is concerned. That all being said, let's go ahead and dive into this other side of the matchup here and look at the TCU defense and how K-State's offense matches up against the Horn Frogs on that front. So Nutter, again, go ahead and highlight some of the baseline stats here for this group that is coordinated by Joe Gillespie.
1: Yeah, you know they uh, for as, as good as they've been on offense I mean they've been serviceable on defense but if you look at how they stack up compared to the rest of the conference it's been it's been pretty average. Uh, they're giving up uh, not quite four touchdowns a game 26 and a half points a game that is right middle of the line fifth in the conference. Um, they are giving up 400 yards a game so uh, you know teams can't gain on them and that's definitely something, you know, K-State's going to want to try to take advantage of with its rushing attack. Um, That's good for seventh in the conference. Yards per play, they're giving up a little bit more than five a play, again, right around fifth. That's kind of where you'll see them land in most of these statistical categories. Uh, Running defense, uh, they are sixth in the Big 12. This is, you know, obviously a huge point of emphasis for K-State. This is probably the best rushing attack uh, TCU will see this season, certainly the best one they've seen so far. They are giving up 135 uh, on the ground per game, you know, again, something that K-State's really going to want to take advantage of. Uh, they run a 3-3-5, um, you know, with only three down linemen. It's definitely something where they're, you know, y- you're going to think that, you know, that's going ge- to that's going to generate some running lanes for Martinez and Deuce. So that's something you want to try to take advantage of. Like I said, you know, keep, keep, keep drive sustained. The longer you can keep that offense off the field, the better. And, you know, that's something that our offensive line is really going to have to take advantage of. Um, so yeah, Jeff, I'll kind of let you, I'll let you handle some of the more advanced stats, but like I said, for, for as top notch as their offense has been, you know, their defense has definitely shown, you know, you you can definitely put up some yards and put up some points on these guys.
0: And when you consider the competition as well, they, they've played some decent teams. Colorado's just a train wreck in the non-con, but they did play SMU, which is a re- more than respectable G5 school. Oklahoma, they caught him the week after K-State popped him in Norman, and also you lose Dylan Gabriel in that game very early on, and it, all, kind of all bets are off. So I, uh, the the Sooners only putting up 24 against the Frogs in that one. Take what you will from that result. KU, again, that was a game in which the Hawks had all the momentum. They were the belle of the ball as far as the early part of this college football season goes. And and they did move the ball after Bean came in. And, and that was a, another area where I looked to what, excuse me, what KU was able to do against this TCU defense. Where Bean tosses four touchdowns and, and more or less a half a football He had himself a day and they found some running lanes for him. He's a very athletic quarterback. And again, I will imagine that K-State will attempt to mimic some of those concepts and execute some of those types of plays for design quarterback runs and so forth. And then this past Saturday uh, was truthfully one of the better efforts, I would say, this TCU defense has had given uh, the experience that Oklahoma State brings at quarterback with, with Spencer Sanders. They held him to 16 of 36, throwing the ball. Not a great day for him on, on, on that front. This Oklahoma State rushing attack really didn't have a, a banner day by any stretch. Spencer Sanders got loose a, a couple of times and ended up with around 60 yards rushing. But all in all, that that was one of the better efforts, at least when you take into account caliber of opponent and what they strive to do in my mind. So I think there are still some questions about what this TCU defense is is and what it's going to be like moving forward. I know the picture is starting to become clearer as we get further along into the season and we get more data points, but I do think while their rush defense, just purely by the numbers, if you look at what, where K-State is on that number, just that rushing yards allowed per game and where TCU is, they're more or less the exact same. But I, I, I think just by virtue of the fact that they maybe haven't played some teams at their, at their strongest point. You know, in effect, you end up taking on two Big 12 teams with backup quarterbacks for large chunks of those games and you still get rung up for all the points that you do. Again, I think that's something that you look to exploit this coming Saturday and and looking at some of the advanced numbers here, uh, very much in line with where they are as far as some of those baseline stats points per drive. 2.13, 2.13, 55th. Now, one thing that is bad when opponents do get it across the 50 and start to get into close into scoring territory, points per drive inside the 40, they give up 4.29. That's 106th nationally, and they're only behind Oklahoma, or, or only Oklahoma is behind them in that metric in the Big 12. Uh, havoc rate, 76 nationally on that front, so they aren't Forcing a ton of negative plays here. Opponent success rate, respectable enough here, 39.5. That's 37th nationally. Opponent rushing success rate, though. uh, And again, this is the gaining available yards. So you want to gain half the yards available on first down, 75% of the available yards on second down. And then on third, you want to gain 100% of the yards. That's deemed a successful play if you do that. So on running plays, They are giving up successful plays 44.2% of the time. That's 77th nationally. And that is ahead of only Oklahoma and Kansas, which have two of the worst defenses in the conference. And then, on the flip side, and then another thing for as explosive as TCU is on offense, this is also kind of their Achilles heel on defense. They are 118th nationally in explosive plays allowed. Only uh, Texas Tech is actually better in this metric, which makes me very excited when they think about all those long runs that K-State popped against the Horn, or excuse me, against the Red Raiders. Makes me very excited on that front. Where they do get popped... For big plays, though, is in the past. They're 127th on that front. So there's going to be some opportunities for Adrian and company to take some shots down the field. And and I think to that point, you liked what you saw last, uh, not last week, but last time out against Iowa State. And I know you cashed one of those for a touchdown and you should have had two. But even so, this is an offense in K-State that's still the worst in the country in terms of passing explosiveness. The fact that you're able to get a couple of big ones on a defense as formidable as Iowa State. Hopefully that's something that group takes and runs with and builds off of as we move forward here and and going into this matchup. Uh, Last thing I'll mention here, as far as players to keep an eye on for this TCU defense, which again runs that 3-3-5, they do use a nickel instead of a three safety look like Kansas State. So a little bit of a uh, variance there, but again, pretty much every Defense in the Big 12 run or pretty much every program in the Big 12 runs a (laughs) 3-3-5 with the exception of maybe one or two. So uh, this is something that's not going to be out of the ordinary for Colin Klein in terms of what he's seen and how to prepare and attack it. So guys to watch on this TCU defense, Dylan Horton, he was on Bruce Feldman's freaks list going into the season, 6'4", 275-pound senior defensive end He can scoot, though. He runs a 40 in 4.6. He has 16 tackles, two tackles for loss, one sack, has three pass breakups, he might not put up the numbers that Felix has so far this year, but make no mistake about it, he can wreck shop if K-State's offense is, our offensive line rather, is not up to the task in blocking him. Uh, Timon Mitchell is a Georgia transfer at defensive tackle. He has 10 tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, and a couple of sacks. He started to see more time here in recent weeks. And uh, again, anybody who plays on or played for Georgia, <laughs> that. Gives you an idea about the overall pedigree and caliber of athlete that you're dealing with there. So expect to see him trying to clog things up in the middle for this K state offense linebackers, all strong, uh, across all three spots there. D winners, Johnny Hodges, and then Jamoy Hodge. Uh, so D, uh, D winners is your strong side linebacker, six, one, two 230 se- uh, 30 pounds senior, uh, four and a half sacks this season, fourth in the big 12. And that mark has seven tackles for loss and five hurries, uh, Assuming he remains healthy throughout the course of this game, he will go over 200 career tackles for TCU right now. He's sitting at 196. Johnny Hodges is a Navy transfer he is the weak side backer 62 240 and he leads the team with 37 stops this year and then anchoring things as the middle is anchoring things in the middle is Jamoy Hodge 64 245 pound junior 30 tackles two and a half for loss one interception and then the back end has a couple of pretty salty players there as well uh, none more so than Trevious Hodges Tomlinson he is related to Ladanian Tomlinson, as you might assume, 5'9", 180-pound senior, two-time first-team All-Big 12 selection, 21 tackles this year, three pass breakups, has not had the ball thrown his way too many times, though he is going to clamp down his side of the field. And then another corner to keep an eye on is a junior, Josh Newton, number 24. He's tied for fourth in the Big 12 with six passes defensed. So while the overall product has not uh, the overall numbers that this TCU defense has generated have not been great they do have more than respectable players at every single level and Nutter this is very much a question of style in this game for Kansas State and approach and philosophy for from Colin Klein but is this the game where you attempt really throttle down and really drag this thing down in the muck and slow this game down to limit possessions for this TCU offense
1: yeah excuse me yeah and ironically you know I said it earlier when you asked you know what's a good day look like against their offense and I think that is probably going to be the key is keeping it off the field as much as you can um you know I think this is a game where as long as the run game's rolling you you take take advantage of it you know and then You hope maybe you know you can lull them to sleep, and you know maybe make some of those guys play up a little bit, and then take those shots over the top. You know, I think K State probably saw the best defense it's going to see all year in Ames, and and Adrian was able to hit a couple shots over the top in that one. So you know we we know he's definitely capable, and we've got guys capable of making the play. Obviously, you got to see them hold on to the ball and actually see it into the end zone. But um, no, you know I do think yes that uh, plan A is definitely going to be you know trying to grind down the clock and and, you know, really, really try to limit their possessions.
0: And you mentioned Adrian taking some shots over the top. And, and again, this K-State offense is 131st last in FPS in explosiveness in the passing game. But I mean, what's, do you have a number in mind? Because I felt like that really, if you're looking for a template, I think if you're K-State, if you're a K-State fan, you really want to see what you saw against Oklahoma. You don't need to see the big, 60 yard play to Malik or you you would certainly take it if you get it but I think what you're looking for is that 15 to 20 yarder here and there and and I guess I'm looking and I'm hoping that Adrian can hit them up for maybe four to five of those just to keep them honest and I know that's asking a lot for an offense that doesn't generate chunk plays but I guess what are what are your asks and expectations of Adrian Martinez going into this game. Cause I'm guessing he's going to be asked to carry it quite a bit too.
1: Yeah. I mean, I expect him to carry it quite a bit. Honestly, if he can even replicate what he did against Iowa state, I think you're going to have yourself in a pretty good position to win the game. You know, he did a decent amount running the ball when, you know, when he was the most, when he was as most effective as when he had the running back out lead blocking for him, you know, when it was designed um, that said, you know, I think he only took what, I think it was just the two shots downfield. And, you know, the the big thing that I remember about those two shots is he had all day back there. He had to, he had to shake the one blitzer, uh, you know, in reader on that, you know, on that first drive, but the, the play to Malik Knowles, he had, you know, a day and a half back there to throw the ball. So, you know, the offensive line can give him that kind of time. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him take another two, three, four shots downfield, but no, you know, I don't expect him to alter his entire game. You know, you take, take the stuff underneath, you know, if you have to pick it up in seven, eight yard chunks, do it. But, I do expect him to run it quite a bit this week too. And, you know, like you said, or like I said earlier, you know, just try to keep them honest or, you know, maybe even try to lull them to sleep and then take that, take those shots downfield maybe when they're not expecting it.
0: Very big ask for this group uh, going into Fort Worth. And, and the other thing before we move into specials and start to set the, and start to wrap this one up here. Deuce Vaughn. Again, we we saw him leave against Iowa State. You, you mentioned it. He was asked to do a lot in terms of run blocking in that game, and I think, hopefully, that. And I I'm I'm certainly not trying to call into question the the judgment of our offensive coordinator, but you you would like to think and hope that you can scheme around with some different personnel packages that maybe have a larger human and not one who is so electrifying like Deuce Vaughn going out and lead blocking. And you can run some two back sets out there. Again, far be it for me, Colin Klein knows more about football or has forgotten more about football than I'll ever know. But I, I certainly hope that Deuce Vaughn is not too dinged up from the game against Iowa State. But I think, do you feel like we're going to see him just back at max capacity and that he's going to be back to his usual workload or or are we maybe going to see a little bit diminished carries for him this Saturday?
1: You know, I, I was not terribly concerned the minute the game ended in Ames, you know, that almost seemed more precautionary than anything. Um, and the fact that we've had two full weeks off and I'll just say this, if he's taken one hit in practice in the last two weeks, somebody needs to be fired. Um, you know, no, I really don't expect to see much of a decrease in workload, but honestly, even if it came down to it and you needed to, you needed to take away some of those carries, I've seen nothing that says DJ Giddens couldn't handle an an increased workload. You know, I know it's kind of, it's minimal stats. He's only carried the ball 27 times this year, but uh, you know, he scored twice. He's averaging six and a half yards a carry, you know, and he obviously provides a little bit of a change of pace. You know, he's definitely a, a more between the lanes, you know, kind of, kind of a bruiser back. Um, you know, I think maybe what they were kind of hoping to see with Jacartier right. And that never panned out. So, you know, that, you know, I think about like, I think Giddens picked up the last first down of the game to ice it in Ames. So, you know, like the fact that they were willing to go to him late in the game with the game still on the line, you know, if he needs to end up taking more carries to spell Deuce a little bit, I don't think I would have any concerns about that, but I don't think it would be out of necessity. You know, I, I mean, I don't think it would be for health reasons. I, I expect to see Deuce back at full strength this week
0: fingers certainly crossed on that front. And and again, you're not going to have too many games where you hold deuce well below 50 yards, the way that Iowa state did. And I know he didn't get the the normal volume of carries that we are accustomed to, or have grown accustomed to seeing him receive. But I think that there's going to be opportunities for him this Saturday. And also in watching those highlights again, against Oklahoma state, uh, Spencer Sanders connected with that running back Richardson on several screen passes that just gashed TCU. So that's, and and also when you think about that element of his, as well, we really haven't seen Deuce contributing a whole lot in the passing game this season. Uh, th- these really, the, the start to this conference slate has really just been defined and almost entirely by Adrian Martinez running the ball. That's kind of been the headlining element of this offense. And then Deuce has kind of been taking a back seat to that. So if you can spring Deuce and get him a couple of opportunities to break some ankles in the, in the secondary in the passing game on some screens or, or finding some opportunities for him down the field, I think that's going to be huge for this K-State offense. And again, I talked about that. I, I, the number I've got in my head for those chunk plays in the neighborhood of 15 to 20 yards passing – I've got a number at five because K-State's going to, they're not going to be able to just line up and run the ball. At least in my mind, I don't think they're going to be able to line up and run the ball 50 times at this TCU defense and get hundred yards, 115 yards passing and hope to walk out of Fort Worth with the win. So that's, that's my read on it here. A big ask upcoming for this Kansas state offense. You're looking to see some evolution again from Klein's group as we move further along into the season And quickly on the specials here, no no real decided edge, I would say at least as far as the punters are concerned. Jordy Sandy averages 40.6 a boot. Eight of those, 23, have been down inside the 20. Uh, Darius Davis, uh, the aforementioned Davis, has returned to punt for a touchdown. I mentioned it. TCU has some very electric specialists in the open field, so that's one area where K-State's punt coverage unit is probably going to be asked to step up a little bit more than they have in recent weeks. One area where TCU does have a pretty decided edge, at least from experience standpoint, is Griffin Kell, the place kicker, is, four-year starter. He's on the Groza award watch list. He's 34 for 44 lifetimes, perfect five for five this season. So that's an area where when special, when it comes down to getting points. And and again, I I don't think that this is a game where you are constantly chasing touchdowns. Um, I I think if the opportunities are there, I think, again, i just have the script in my head. It, It just reminds me so much of the Oklahoma game in so many ways. I, I think this is a game where you're going to need and expect Chris Tennant on Kansas State's side of it to come through and connect when, if and when K-State does get stalled out on the offensive side of the ball. So don't chase in this game. Take points where you can get it because I, I do think on the, on the flip side of the coin, I think K-State's defense is easily the most formidable unit that – TCU has seen all season long. And I think you need to trust that and trust the fact that this group will be able to go out and get you some stops against a TCU offense that has had periods of stagnation. And this is kind of the the thing for Sonny Dykes type teams. If you look back at even some of these really prolific teams that he had against SMU, they would ring up teams in the AAC for 45, 52 points and then they would just have a skunk where they put up 14 or they put up 17 and, and a really good sound defense just clamps them down. Again, I'm not forecasting and projecting that to happen this Saturday, but I am saying that it has happened historically under these sunny Dykes teams. And I would certainly, if there was going to ever be a time for it to occur, I would certainly hope it's this coming Saturday in Fort Worth. So the stage is set. I, I think Nutter, and I'll ask you, is this the biggest regular season game of Chris Kleiman's tenure, at least to date?
1: I mean, it's certainly hard to think of a, it's it's hard to think of a bigger stage, right? I mean, like if you win this one, you are, you know, it's by no means guaranteed, not with how wide open this conference is, but I mean, you are in phenomenal position for a spot at Arlington. If you can get out of, get out of Fort Worth with this one, you know, entering the end of October as the only unbeaten conference team left, you know, that would, that would go miles in, in, securing you a spot in the, in the big 12 championship game. So yes, I mean, it definitely in climate's tenure. I don't think there's any question.
0: And contextually, I know I, I have a thought about where this game ranks at least in terms of the stage leading up to the Saturday, but what game historically do you feel like most closely mimics this, this contest?
1: Um, You know, just kind of going backwards from here, um, probably I know you had posed the question on Twitter. (laughs) Now I'm blanking on what I answered. Um, I believe I had said it was the uh, the the finale at Baylor in 2014. Um, You know, K-State was still kind of in the national picture for a uh, for a New Year's six, a New Year's six bid with that one. And it would have clinched him a share of the Big 12 title obviously we're not nearly far that far down the road this time around, but I mean, just in terms of what's at stake or what could be at stake. I mean, that's definitely the, that's definitely the first game that comes to mind.
0: And we certainly appreciate everybody who chimed in on that question. We dropped on Twitter earlier this week, we got a, ton of different responses here uh and, and very quickly i'll go through them. Uh, ghost of Tex winner reminds me a lot of the tcu game in 2014 jeez i hope a, a much different outcome in this one because <laughs> i remember k-state getting very thoroughly worked by that Travon boykin led tcu team where they just carved up the wildcats on the ground that was the biggest thing that i remember that about that game um so that was ghost of tech's winner uh ema elvis said uh biggest game since the last game and i man I, I i understand wanting to have that mentality but god guys come on let's play around with this have a little bit of fun here we have so many people that said the iowa state game uh-huh, <laughs> the, the last uh-huh. week um the k-state flask oklahoma 2014 thank you sir that is the right answer um <laughs> and i i i say that just because again looking at the the trajectory of the season and where that game fell for Kansas state. That was again, middle of October, the Wildcats had a non-conference loss and they were able to go into Norman and and steal a a victory by virtue of a blocked extra point and a missed field goal in the late stages of that game. And that was really what propelled K state into the conversation for a big 12 championship. And that in effect eliminated OU from the, the conversation. And again, I I think it most closely mimics that game more than anything else, because it's still there's still so much ball left to play. Uh, I certainly understand the Baylor aspect of it. That 2014 Baylor game, Austin McCain agreed with you. He said 2014 Baylor Ben Spicer uh, chimed in on that as well. Uh, We had Brad Martin saying uh, the 2012 TCU game. I, I could buy into that. Uh, let's was, see. uh, if I remember
1: right, Colin Klein was pretty banged up. I think we were coming off the Oklahoma state game in that one. And
0: that,
1: yeah, kind of went on. I mean, that was, you know, we had just been run rolling teams week after week going into that one. And I think we kind of, we kind of escaped that one with a 14 point win again, never really in question, but far closer that K state far closer than K state had been used to winning games by, uh, going into that season or, uh, going into that one.
0: Yeah, that, that was the game in which I I know every K-State fan was just terrified about whether or not Colin Klein would even be available because of him leaving the Oklahoma State game the week prior with a concussion, um, allegedly, excuse me, uh, let's see, had a couple of others chime in here, um, Stetson Honig, I'm sorry, I'm probably butchering that, my apologies, uh, the West Virginia game in 2020, oof, man, uh, I, we're, we're pretty far apart on that, buddy. Yeah, I, don't <laughs> I think, know that I
1: can really agree with that one. I think that season was uh, smoke and mirrors for the first half of the year, and then the wheels kind of fell off. I don't know that much more was going to come out of that season.
0: Yeah, we were – at that point, we were very much on borrowed time. We, you know, we, were, we talked about it a little bit earlier in the show about how fortunate that team was just to even escape Fort Worth with a win with virtually no offense – and then you got to come home and, and play KU. That KU team was just a train wreck. And then, again, at that point, you were very much on borrowed time. So uh, if they had won in West Virginia in 2020, I think at the end of the day, that maybe makes that team instead of four and six, maybe they finish five and five because they still had a lot of shortcomings on the offensive side of the ball. Um and then a uh, calm KU fan said KU last year. Uh, you are wrong, sir. So, uh, again, appreciate everybody for chiming in on that. I really do think this is this is the biggest regular season K-State game that we've had in a while. And, and again, the backdrop in this, what what this could mean if Kleiman is able to go and get this one, it, it would be huge. Uh, with back-to-back home games upcoming against Oklahoma State and Texas, and really you put yourself in a position where – you could, and seeing the way that the other half of the league, we, we are starting to see the wheat and the chaff separate here. And Baylor looks like they've got some holes, West Virginia as well. Kansas at those last three for Kansas state defenses for all those teams is, is pretty porous. Now that on the flip side, they all have pretty respectable offenses that can still hurt you and everybody. And, and I'll say this, anybody in the big 12 can beat anybody. We've, we've seen it. We've, we've literally seen it week after week. So I'm looking, though, at this game and just saying if you win this one, you put yourself in a position to legit be one of the favorites, if not the odds on favorite to make the Big 12 championship game. So I I hope and think that the stage is not too big for this group. It's a mature group. And this is where you're very fortunate to have a senior who's going to be starting his 40, I I want to say this is going to be his 44th start in Adrian Martinez, 45th start. Uh, Forgive me for not having the number right off the top of the dome here, but you've got an experienced veteran group. They've already won two road games this season, and they know what it takes to win in these types of games, these types of environments. And again, I I think if you're to compare the atmospheres, another I don't know how you feel, but I I would say compared to what K-State was subject to in Norman and to what K-State had to go through and playing Iowa state and names. I think this is easily going to be the quote easiest atmosphere to deal with as far as road environments go.
1: Yeah. I don't know that it's just, it's not a very big stadium. I don't think they pack too many people in there. Um, you know, it's, it's relatively small stadium in a pretty big Metro, right? You know, I don't know that football's exactly King, um, uh, in, in terms of, you know, things to do in that area in general, uh, K-State's had quite a bit of success there. Um, it's certainly not a place I think about like an Ames where I just know that all kinds of weird crap happens there. So no, you know, I'm not trying to discredit, you know, it, it's still a road environment in a primetime game against a really hot team, but no, it, 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 certainly does not scare me the way, the way that, you know, like the game in Ames did.
0: Very true. Very true. Well, with that being said, let's go ahead and start to wrap this one up. Picks to pop here. Nutter, uh, pick one guy on the offense, one guy on the defense. Go ahead and start us off, my man.
1: You know, it's as bizarre as it is to say, uh, Deuce Vaughn is still looking for his first touchdown at Big 12 play. Um, And uh, honestly, uh, you know, it's if if there was ever a time for it to happen, this is a game where I think K-State's really going to want to try to control the, control the tempo and hold on to the ball as long as they can. So they're going to have to find a way to punch it in on the ground. He's coming off, you know, probably his most lack, lackluster performance of his career, only 23 yards against, against Iowa state. Um, I know he had to exit that one early. So, you know, he might've had opportunity for a few more carries there late, but if there was a time produced to get going. This is, this is definitely it. And then uh, on defense, I'm, I'm going to go with an old reliable here. Um, you know, we haven't heard his name much lately. I think, if by virtue of the fact that everyone around him has been playing so well, by no means has he been playing poorly, but you know, we know what, what Duggan can do with his legs, you know, as well as, as through the air. So this is a game where I think they're going to, they're going to ask a lot of Daniel green, right? Like you're going to have to expect him to step up when, when Duggan tucks it down, tucks it and runs. And then by that same token, um, you know, he's, he's going to have to be able to, he's going to have to be able to drop into coverage when we need him to do that as well. So I know I'm kind of going back to the well with the 222s, but uh, yeah, th- those are my guys.
0: Offensively, uh, I think this again—if this is a game that K-State is to win, it is by virtue of Adrian Martinez' play, and uh, that's going to be both on the ground and through the air. Uh, I know this will very much be looked at as a big-time team effort, but I think if if K-State is to go into Fort Worth and steal this one, they are a three-and-a-half-point dog. Uh, they do it because Adrian Martinez has another Oklahoma-esque performance where he throws for 180, 200-some-odd yards and likely ends up getting – 17 to 20 some odd carries and ends up probably with about 100 or so yards on the ground. So I think Deuce Vaughn will have opportunities absolutely in this. T- excuse me, this TCU defense has been prone to giving up some explosive plays, and, and I, I I certainly think and hope that this group can can generate a couple of those. But also in the same breath, uh, I, I want this team to grind out as much of this game as they can. So if we could get a couple of seven or eight minute touchdown drives in this one, I'd feel a whole lot better about our chances uh, about, let's say, 935 Uh on Saturday, uh, Saturday night. So that's my pick on offense. I got to go Adrian Martinez and defensively. I- I'm looking at the secondary as a whole, uh, Max Duggan. We've, we've talked about what he's done to date. The fact that he's thrown no interceptions and in scenarios of consequence he- he's been damn near perfect. And, and he-, he pushes the ball downfield. That is the whole underlying ethos of this TCU offense. They take shots, they go deep, they go vertical all the damn time. And he averages just under 10 yards an attempt, 9.5 to be exact. So that gives you a pretty good indication of how often TCU is going vertical. And, and to that point, I'm looking at the secondary as a whole this coming Saturday, you, you need everybody to be locked in, as I said, be it coverage, pre-snap alignment, tackling in space because again you you've got so many elusive weapons and barber and johnston and darius davis and and everybody in between that can hurt you uh when they have the ball in their hands it's going to be a tall order for this this k-state defense which is I I, Again, I I would think from a personnel grouping standpoint, this is a team that absolutely rivals what Oklahoma throws out against you uh, as far as their offensive personnel goes and having how many guys can beat you when they have the ball in their hand. So uh, it's really the onus this week is going to be on the secondary. Uh, As I kind of touched on earlier, I, I don't think this is a week where the pass rush eats so to speak but I think that they will be able to be disruptive that's the one thing you you hope that they can do but it's really going to be on the secondary if the Wildcats win this one so with that being said let's go for it man it is time for score predictions and I'll let you go ahead and tee us off
1: yeah um you know I know K-State really had to grind one out last week or rather two weeks ago and uh was kind of lucky to get out of there, you know, with with leaving 10 points on the board in a game where they only scored 10 points. Really kind of lucky to get out of there, you know, did just enough on defense to hold on for that 10-9 to nine win. Um, got another primetime game against an opponent rocking the blackout uniforms, and I just don't know that the luck, I don't know that luck's going to be on their side again. You know, if, 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 if a couple of breaks don't go K-State's way, I don't know that they're going to be able to do enough against this offense to recover from it. I can't tell you how much I hope I'm wrong in this, but I am going to go TCU 31 to 27.
0: Clearly not a man of the people here, but um, no, it's this, this is a game that in my mind tests what everybody says, that theory in the big 12 of anybody being able to beat anybody. And, And it does it in the sense that I don't, we all know nobody in the big 12 is good enough to make it out of this conference unscathed i don't think tcu is good enough to go 12 and 0 they could prove me wrong but i I just think there are too many warts on this team as there are with any team and and, and that goes for the conference contenders as well i just think there is there's an element to this game uh, also of of tcu having the big rivalry win taking the skillet against SMU, the big time blowout against Oklahoma the week after that, when they knocked out Dylan Gabriel, they go on the road and, and take one from Kansas, a game that they you could argue that they could have lost. And then they, they play with fire for 50 minutes against Oklahoma State. They push that one into the extra session. Uh, very lucky because I took the over 69 and a half in that one, so it cashed for me. So thank you guys very much for overtime in that one. But I also think, again, that, that shows it. It's a question, and I, to your point, I think it's whose who's luck is going to run out here? Because K-State was, in, in the same breath, K-State was fortunate to win in Ames, very much so. They had to hold on against Oklahoma. Obviously, that game still came down to an onside kick. Whose luck's going to run out? And I think K-State, by virtue of being fresh, I think the Wildcats can also do some things against this, uh, this TCU defense. And also, I, I am banking on my, my mantra that I always tout, which is, Defense travels and and this K-State defense will easily be the best defense that they've seen all season long. I'm going to believe in this defense. uh, And I know the final score might not say as much, but uh, it's a day in which I think the Wildcats come away with a big time victory. I have it 34 to 30 in favor of the Purple Cats, uh, who will be wearing their whites, presumably. Uh, But I, I think this is a game, like I said, that TCU's just been working on borrowed time as well, and I think K-State's going to take advantage of it with the fresh legs. So, should be a, a very entertaining football game, regardless. Again, seven o'clock kick on Fox Sports One. Uh, and seeing the, the scene against Oklahoma State, there were tons of fans down there wearing orange, and I have no doubt there will be plenty of K-State fans that already live in the Metroplex that will be going out there making their voices heard, plenty of fans making the trek down from the Sunflower State as well for what should be a big-time game in the Big 12. So with all that being said, guys, we appreciate y'all listening to us. Thank you for the download and the stream on whatever your preferred app is. Again, follow us on Twitter at college underscore Kimball. Subscribe to our prod, podcast and whatever your preferred app is. I'm going to go ahead and close it out the way I always do. Cats band. If you know, you know, let's go get a dub. <laughs>